Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to Rami Makhlouf. So I just Googled you because I have never heard you on the score. You aren't the guy of your same name who is a Syrian businessman and cousin of the vicious evil dictator of Syria, are you? Either way, you're doing great. He must have been some dictator. He was a very bad dictator. Yes, very bad. Even if I'm that guy, I'm doing a great job. Well, I'll tell you, thank you. And no, I'm not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Although I have had to convince the government of that on one or two occasions to get my name off of watch lists. The FBI and CIA both have you on a shoot to kill watch list. You have to tell me where you are. Every time I'm going through an airport, man, they're definitely going to pull me aside because of this dude. But nope, hasn't happened at an airport yet. It's caused me a few problems, never in an airport. On Chicago's Sports Radio 670, The Score, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I'm not him, and I appreciate the kind words, sir. Thank you. That's me, Rami Makhlouf. Not that Rami Makhlouf. The other Rami Makhlouf you heard here Wednesday night on 670, The Score, and I'm back tonight with Tyler Buterbaugh on the ones and twos and promoting up this fine program. Everybody's walking around saying, I'm him. I'm him. I'm walking around telling people I am not him. <laughs> that, is, that is not me. I'm not him. Just so we're all clear, I am not him. Coming up on the show this after this evening, I should say, Mark Potash, uh, Bears Chicago Sun-Times writer. He'll join me at 620 to talk some Bears. Obviously, we'll look ahead to those Atlanta Falcons with Carlos Medina of 106.3 FM down in Atlanta. My buddy, comedian Joe Kilgallen, who you've heard on the uh, Lawrence Holmes House of L podcast network, as well as on the Let's Get Dumb podcast. He'll join me at 740. And Mike McGraw, Bulls beat writer for the Daily Herald. He'll join me coming up at 820 to get the latest on your Chicago Bulls here on your home for Bulls basketball, 670 the score. But I wanted to start off this evening talking about what what most people in Chicago sports, whether into a microphone or just in a bar or just out wherever, are talking about with two weeks left in the season, and that's Justin Fields. And this guy continues to be the topic of discussion, and is he him? As I was saying at the start of the show, is Justin Fields him when it comes to the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears? And I don't expect the Bears to show their hand when it comes to Justin Fields. It does them no good to show their hand when it comes to Justin Fields, especially if they are indeed not sure and on the fence about this guy. But my question is, and open to your calls, texts 312-644-6767 this evening. I'll try and squeeze a few in before we talk with Mark Potash of the Sun-Times coming up at 620. But have you made your mind up? about Justin Fields. We can show our hand as fans, as members of the media, which I am both. We can show our hands and and answer that question. Have you made your mind up about Justin Fields? And if not, what is it that you need to see in these next two weeks, starting with Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons? 312-644-6767. I honestly, I don't understand how you could be undecided on Justin Fields and have these next two weeks decided for you. Like, if you're just not sure about Justin Fields, I get that. You know what I mean? And, 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 and kudos to you if you're willing to admit it, because not too many people are willing to walk around going, I don't know. Like, we all want to know and have opinions. But it's okay every once in a while to just go, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not totally sure 
about whether or not this guy is the guy or not. So if you're just not sure and you're not going to be sure in these next two games, I guess I understand that. But to be unsure and think that these next two weeks are, are going are gonna to answer the question or crack the code when it comes to Justin Fields, that seems crazy to me. So have you made your mind up about Justin Fields? And if not, what are you looking to see in these next two games? 312-644-6767. For me, not being sure about Justin Fields is like, and not to get political here, all right? But it really it's, it's like not being sure who you're going to vote for for president in 2024. Like, these couldn't be more opposites in terms of the two candidates who we know we're going to end up with. And let's stop the charade. We know which two candidates we're not we're going to end up with. And we know what they both can do. They've both been there and done the job already. Whether Whichever one you like or neither or both. Like, we've seen them both do the job. It's not like hypotheticals and policies that they're just throwing into the air. You know what? We know how they're going to do the job. And that's kind of how I feel about Justin Fields. Not to say that there aren't still some question marks. And I really hope that there's some room for growth and improvement because he's not there yet. But I think by this point, we have enough of a sample size to know kind of who this dude is and where this thing is heading. And I, for one, am I'm in, I'm in on Justin Fields. Now, I get this being a very tough decision for the Chicago Bears, especially having the number one pick in the draft. That makes it even tougher because you have your choice of quarterback with that number one pick, which will be locked in if the Houston Texans lose one more game. You'll ha- you have your choice of the top of whatever quarterback you want at the top of the NFL draft, and that does make the decision a little bit tougher. Well, a lot a bit tougher when it comes to what the Bears are going to do at quarterback. But for me, I'm in on Justin Fields. And a lot of people with these these last six, seven games have sort of backed off of, of uh, Mark or Matt Eberflus, excuse me, a little bit. I think a lot of people are still not sold on him as a head coach. So a lot of people have backed off of Ryan Poles. I talked about that a little bit on Wednesday. But there's still a lot of heat on Justin Fields. And for some reason, the last six, seven games did a lot to cool the seats of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, but not so much with Fields. And if we're just going on the last six, seven games, and you go back and you look at Justin Fields' performance in that time, I'll go back to the Denver game, conveniently enough. That's seven games back. 335 yards in that game. 282 the following week against, against Minnesota. Came back after an injury with 217 against, against Minnesota. 223 against Detroit. A couple of duds in terms of his passing yardage and, and passing stats in the last two games. 166 against Cleveland. 170 against Arizona. But I don't think that tells the whole story. A, it shows a lot of improvement, and B, I don't think it tells the whole story because Justin Fields is not just a quarterback. I was watching, I think it was Get Up this morning. Might have been first take. They're all the same. They all have the same people on them asking the same questions. But Ryan Clark said something about Lamar Jackson that I think applies to, to, to Justin Fields. And not just because there's similar style of quarterbacks with the athleticism and the feet and the speed and the size and everything else. But just when you look at quarterbacks in general, Justin Fields, just like Lamar Jackson, he makes things happen that aren't there for almost any other quarterback in this league. And what he said about Lamar Jackson is he makes plays every week that would be negatives that he turns into a positive. That's a huge thing to have, man. That extends drives. That kills clock. That gets you out of, out of jams when your offense is stuck. That's a huge thing to have. 
And I think that if they just looked at Justin Fields more as an offensive weapon than they do as a quote-unquote quarterback, that you'd be looking through this thing in a, through a completely different prism. He's got just over 2,100 yards this year. He's completing almost 61% of his passes. Both of those numbers need to go up, and both of those numbers have gone up in every year that he's played in the NFL with very little help, might I add. With two complete throwaway years under Matt Nagy in the first year of Poles and Eberflus, and then the first year, or excuse me, yeah, the first year under Poles and Eberflus of them sort of kicking the can and waving the white flag on that season. He keeps getting better. He's only thrown nine interceptions this year, didn't throw an interception for damn near two months, and then threw two in the Cleveland game that were both on Hail Marys, and one of them wasn't even caught and shouldn't have been an interception in the first place. And an 84.5 passer rating in 11 games this season. I'll take that, man. I will take that. I just ask that the Bears help him out. And the Bears do right by Justin Fields for once. Because if you're going to bring in, I made this point on Wednesday, if you're going to bring in Caleb Williams or Drake May or any of these other guys that are projected to be top quarterbacks in this draft, if you don't do it right, if you don't give them the help and the support that they need to succeed and to grow and to develop, it won't matter. There is not a quarterback that is franchise-proof in this draft or any other draft. They need to be given the support that they need to grow and develop and get better and win. And Justin Fields just hasn't had that. So if you're going to do it right, let's try to do it right just once with Justin Fields before we move on to somebody else and either do it right or do it wrong with them. And if you do it wrong with them, it will not matter. Take Bryce Young as for an example. Exactly. He's got nothing over there. Nothing. And people and people thought he was, except for the size, that was a question. People, right. People thought he was kind of a can't-miss prospect. You know what I mean? He, yeah, exactly. When we talk about uh, C.J. Stroud, I drew a blank on C.J. Stroud. How do I do that? When I, with with C.J., he wasn't projected to be this, to be the dude coming out of this draft. You know what I mean? It's, he wasn't ever going to be the number one pick. That wasn't something that a lot of people talked about. I honestly thought of him being better than Bryce Young. Like, I figured he was going to go first overall just because, I mean, with his talent and what he had did over in uh, Ohio State. But, I mean, like you said, no one expected him to let alone easily be in the Offensive Rookie of the Year talks, but let alone MVP, MVP talks. talks. And having them in the, in the thick of the playoff race. Exactly. You never know what's going to come out of these quarterbacks. 312-644-6767. Have you made your mind up on Justin Fields? If not, what do you need to see? Real quick, I did want to play this soundbite. This was uh, Matt Eberflus earlier today. With this Sunday possibly being Justin Fields' last game at Soldier Field, should they decide to move on from him, he was asked if he has a favorite memory of Justin Fields as his quarterback. Do you have a moment, this is a big picture, but like the, of your relationship with Justin that you're most proud of, either of the, the growth that the two of you have made together, or a moment you're most proud of of him from the last two years? Yeah, I mean, I would just say uh... – um, one moment, I don't know if I could pick that out. I wish I could, um, but he, he's just being consistent, just being where his feet are, uh, being positive, uh, you know, you know, and then just getting back to work. Okay. Just real quick. I'm going to get to your calls and your texts in just one second. But, and this segment is, is meant and set aside to talk about Justin Fields, and that's what we're going to do in just one second. But I'm not a big Matt Eberflus guy. And there's a, there's a few reasons. Why. First of all, just his in-game decisions. That's the most important thing. But then there's, there's um, I think that charisma is a requirement to be a head coach or a leader of any kind. And, that, and charisma can come in many forms, like an authoritative figure, just a likable guy. You know, it can come in many forms. I don't see it in any form or fashion for Matt Eberflutes. And then thirdly, have you ever seen the video, the clip of Sean McVay? Where they ask him, they just give him down distance and time of games that he's coached throughout his career, going years back. And he'll tell you exactly what play he called and exactly what happened on that play. He probably knows the weather of that day, too. Probably. And that's the type of genius I want running my football organization. I don't want a guy who you ask him for a memory and he goes, uh, I can't come up with one right now. Our culture is awesome. I can give you one. Just 
as soon as soon as as soon as Tyler Buterbaugh, my producer, my fine producer this evening, played that soundbite for me, immediately my head went back to Week One, 2022. Beat the 49ers. Justin Fields runs in the winning touchdown. He slides head first. He comes up. He does the Superman rip your shirt. You're you're everybody remembers that play, right? You that could, moment is literally the background on my laptop. Thank you. Thank you. You easily dude, there are so many moments that he easily could have pulled up. And he just I, 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 I don't know. That that says I know it shouldn't. And maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm taking it too far, but that says a lot to me. About the, mm, the, also the, the say, makeup, the mental makeup of Matt Eberflus. I'll just put it that way to be as nice as possible. It was also just kind of an awkward question. Like, just like, I think he got thrown off. I, I, I might back him up on that just because, I mean, like, it was just so quick. And, like, it, if you listen to the presser before, it wasn't leaning anywhere towards Justin Fields. So I'll give him that. But if you yeah. asked Sean McVay that question. He would have had something. He would have had five. Yeah, exactly. And like, and told you like about the wrinkles in his shirt that day. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want a genius. I want a genius running my football team. That's what I want. I want those types of guys running my football organization. Matt Eberflus ain't that. All right, I got that off my chest. Let's go out to the phones. Let's go to Bob and Joliet. Have you made your mind up on Justin Fields, Bob? Yeah, sort of. Hey, um, Robbie, Rami, uh, th- welcome back. Thank you. I love your opinionated shows. Thank you. Uh, li- I, I love listening to you. Uh, you stole a little bit of my thunder. Okay, so here's my point, and I just want you to comment on. And by the way, whenever any station plays uh, replays of Eberflus or Getsy, I go to WBBM for traffic and weather, okay? <laughs> I can't stand I can't stand hearing I can't, I can't stand hearing those guys. So here's my point. Okay. NFL, in my opinion, is all coaching. There's five, ten, maybe fifteen stud players that oh you know, that are just stud players that are just there. Just like in life, corporate America, sure. you know, whatever. So my point is this is coach so it's coaching. We've had the lousiest coaching for years, including now, assistant coaches, head coaches, whatever. And, you know, take a look at some of the rebuilds where they rebuild quickly. And in my opinion, it's, it's all coaching. Look at Houston. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, any comments on that? Thank you. No, I, I uh, agree with you 100%. Back. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate the kind words, too. And on Monday, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday when I was here, I went through – all, all the, the, the other nine teams that changed their coach or GM in, in the offseason leading up to last season when, when the Bears hired, hired Poles and, and uh, Eberflus. And going back and looking at that list, there's really just two, maybe three of those teams that were in comparable situations, and that's Miami and Jacksonville. Because those were teams that brought in a new coach and, in one case, a new GM as well with a quarterback still on their rookie contract who they felt they needed to develop. And you look at what Jacksonville has done to help Trevor Lawrence. You look at what Miami has done to help Tua, both in coaching and in players. But I think mostly in coaching when you look at Mike McDaniel and you look at at, uh, Peterson. Doug Peterson down in in, uh, Jacksonville. Those are the types of guys. Those are proven winners. Those are guys that that people around the league look at and go, yeah, that guy's sharp. That guy knows what he's doing. With Eberflus and Getze, they were gambles. Eberflus was a first-time head coach, and Getze was a first-time offensive coordinator and play caller who had a minimal role as far as offensive coordinators go in, in Green Bay because Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are running the show out there. Luke Getzey didn't need to do a whole lot with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers running the show. So I would, I, I would like to see Justin Fields with one of those offensive genius types or like a Sean McVay type that I was just talking about a minute ago. Frankfurt, Dave, you're on 670 The Score. What's up, Dave? Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um. I just want to 
point out, you know, I've been a, a Cubs and a Bears fan my whole life. And I, I'm kind of done with hope. I've matured a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think with this draft, we need to take that rookie contract, draft May or Williams. We'll have a, a stud rookie for, you know, the next four or five years. The top ten pick, the other pick we have, we use it on a defensive tackle. Then we're saving $40 million by not paying fields. We can use that on two offensive linemen. And then we can flip fields and get a first or second round pick for uh, another uh, core receiver or tight end. Um, I just think it's time to, you know, bear down more than ever and and let's, let's win the championship instead of hoping. Appreciate the call. Yeah, it would it would be nice – if this team, if you felt like this team was serious about winning and winning a championship, because it hadn't felt that way in a few years, at the very least. The last year of the Nag, well, the last two years, really, of the Nagy era, I didn't have a lot of belief or faith in this organization, that they were a serious organization about winning. And under Poles and Eberflus, they've clearly not been trying to win football games. These last two years have been about a teardown and a rebuild. And you expected Justin Fields to somehow flourish in that? How? How? Show me one quarterback, much less a quarterback going into their second and third year in the league, that are flourishing in the middle of a teardown and rebuild. For, for, for a head coach and an offensive coordinator who have never done it before and came in with huge question marks. That's what cracks me up is that people expected him to turn this team around so fast, but yet you never really you never seen a quarterback do it on his own and do it within like Two years that they wanted him right. to do it. Right, yeah. You got to be an absolute phenom to come, into, to come into the situation that Justin Fields has been in and succeed. Honestly, what Justin Fields has done with, with what he's been given to work with and the environment that he's had to work in, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I think it's pretty remarkable, quite frankly. There are a lot of weeks where I'm sitting there going, he's doing this all by himself. He has. Yeah, absolutely. And before DJ Moore got here, I, and maybe Montez Sweat, we could we could legitimately look at that football team and that roster and say Justin Fields is the best football player on that team. Not just on that side of the football, on that whole team. And the only reason that you won the games that you won a lot of the time. A few texts have come in, 312-644-6767. This one from the 815. I'm not sure because I don't know if it's Getsy or not. Next two games don't matter. It's more his next offensive coordinator. Look, if he gets an offensive coordinator and it's a guy who comes in with the bona fides and the credentials and, and that, that genius label that you see on the McDaniels and the McVeighs of the world and he still can't do it, pull the plug. Pull the plug, fine. At least I'll know you gave it a real try. You gave it a real effort with Justin Fields that you went and got somebody who could actually help him and put him in position to succeed. And on top of that, I think that what Ryan Poles has done in stockpiling these draft picks and being in position to trade that number one pick this year, you're going to get picks for years down the line. If Justin Fields ain't it, A, you're going to have those picks. B, you're probably going to be bad and be at the top of the draft yourself. You'll have another chance to take a quarterback in a year or two or three. And I know Caleb Williams is the flavor of the month right now, and he's Patrick Mahomes mixed with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and whoever else they're comparing him to. I know there will be guys like that in drafts of the future. I promise who you'll be all giddy about when the Bears draft him and then probably disappointed when the Bears do nothing to help him. And we go through this all over again. The circle of life. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It is the circle of a Bears fan's life. We'll talk more Bears with Mark Potash from the uh, Chicago Sun-Times. He joins me next. Rami Makhlouf with you on a Friday night here on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm looking forward to Atlanta. Um, obviously a very strong opponent. Um, you know, they've won the last three out of five. You know, they're in their division hunt uh, for that. Um, obviously got a very strong roster. And, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball, you know, on defense, you know, obviously they're in the top five, uh, top ten in a lot of categories on defense. And, uh, you know, Bates, their, their, their free safety has, what, six interceptions now. And obviously a very strong player there. They're strong at every level. Corner outside, number 24, does a really good job. Um, linebackers are very active. D-line's very active. Um, obviously you can see that in their, in their run-stopping numbers, how they, how they uh, approach the game uh, that way. That's Bears head coach Matt Eberflus talking about their matchup with the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score on a Friday evening, the eve of New Year's Eve. And joining me now to continue the Bears discussion, he covers those Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times. Pleasure to welcome in Mark Potash. Mark, how are you this evening, sir? I'm, I'm great, Rami. How are you? Good. I was, I was saying before the break that I, I understand people – not being sure about Justin Fields at this point, but I don't understand people who, if you're not sure about Justin Fields, you think the next two games are going to answer any questions. Is, can the next two games answer any questions for you, Mark, or, or the Chicago Bears as an organization, do you think? No, I think one way or another, they can only muddle it uh, probably more than anything else. You have two games, uh, no, you know, we've seen many times, uh, um, you know, where quarter, even Jay Cutler has done that, where he, I think he went one year through for eight touchdowns and one interception in the last two games. Everybody thought he was ready to take off, and of mm-hmm. course he wasn't. So we've been fooled before. At this point, uh, we've seen even more, I, I think, of Fields than we had of Cutler at that point. So, no, I think uh, the die has been cast now. It's just a question of whether the Bears um, either try and get uh, an offensive coordinator who can kind of, you know, uh, you know, re- kind of reset him. Or they can, uh, you know, draft a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., shore up their offensive line, and try and create a support system that way uh, that will improve his play. We know he can be good at his best, but the consistency uh, factor is uh, is the one thing that I, that is a problem in two games, uh, to your question, is not going to change uh, those issues. Do you get a feeling for which way they might be leaning one way or the other, whether it's to keep Justin Fields or or go in a different direction? I really don't. Uh, it's really hard to say how they think. I, and, you know, the big factor, of course, is whether they have the number one pick or not. I mean, that could actually force their hand. You know, I was just telling somebody the other day, kind of a part of me also kind of thinks like that it might be better if Carolina wins a game, pushes them into the number two spot and kind of forces them kind of forces their hand and to, to, which would be likely to keep fields and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and hope that He's as good as uh, as everyone says because he's the kind of receiver who can make a quarterback out of anybody. And let the record show that uh, that Fields is not Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky needed a lot more help, even though they have similar issues of reading defenses and kind of playing quarterback and doing some kind of instinctive things. Uh, Fields is a lot closer to being uh, the guy who can uh, you know take you into the playoffs, uh, you know, deeply into the playoffs. So. Uh, so I think so. I kind of feel like you know that actually they might be pushed into the, the the right decision or maybe the wrong decision. But I guess my point is it all hinges on that number one pick. If they have the number one pick, number one overall pick, it's going to be really hard to pass on a quarterback like Caleb Williams because you know you, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to miss that boat. And uh, and so I think that's where everything. I think most everything will hinge on that. I don't think they'll have a problem. Let's put it this way. I don't think they'll have a problem staying with Justin Fields. It's not like they want to get rid of him. But if they are given a potential better option, 
like number one, and you could argue number two also would be would also do that with Drake May. Then I think I think they're more likely to take it. Talking with Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun Times here on six seventy score. He covers the Bears for you on a regular basis. And and you brought up one of the the scenarios where I think this whole conversation about Justin Fields would be framed differently, and that's if they didn't have the number one pick. The other mark, and this is a big if, I understand that before I even answer the question, but if they won more football games under Justin Fields, I think we'd be having a completely different discussion. And I honestly don't know how you look at the last three years and think that Justin Fields is the reason that they're not winning more football games and hanging that on him and sort of pointing at that as the reason that he can't remain your quarterback. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's culpable to a certain extent. Any quarterback sure. is, or you know, and he does have, you know, and and he does have, uh, I guess, uh, his numbers like in the fourth quarter, his just at the eye test, you know, you know, being that quarterback who puts the team on his back and kind of wills his way to victory, he doesn't really have very many, if any, of those. So I think you can put that on him. But on the other hand, as you kind of uh, uh, implied here, that you know, there are other factors involved in that. Uh, protection, uh, uh, having uh, receivers, uh, having good receivers, having a good offensive game plan. You know, uh, not to get too far off track, but Tyson Bajan also has fourth quarter issues. He also has, when he even as good as he, when he was good, he also was stronger in the first three quarters, not as good in the fourth. Now that seems that when both quarterbacks have that, that kind of falls on the offensive, maybe something the offensive coordinator is doing. So, so that, that argument is valid as well. I think the one factor I think that is key for, uh, for, fields and also a rookie quarterback said this defense is in shape to really be pretty good next year and give any quarterback a much better chance to win than bears quarterbacks have had since the demise of the, of the Vic Fangio defense. I think that's the biggest issue is, uh, and in fact, probably what I'll be watching more for in the last two games is to see just if this defense, you know, continues to play as well and takes another step and keeps holding teams under 20 points because, the Bears finally are at a point now when they when they score twenty, they're, they've won four of their last five. Before this defense took the step they have, they were they had lost eight of their first ten in that situation under Eberflus, and I think that's the biggest difference for the whole team and for obviously any quarterback, especially Justin Fields. How sold are you on that defense? That that was actually going to be my next question, and and you expertly led me right into it, Mark, because the numbers are impressive, and you just laid some of them out right there. But when you look at some of the opponents that that they've been putting up these performances against, not necessarily the cream of the crop in terms of offenses in the NFL. How, how sold are you on on the defensive turnaround since Montez Sweat was brought in? Well, yeah, I'm actually pretty well sold on it to tell you the truth because, um, you know, I kind of I, I feel like you know they have not been totally bum slaying like some Bears offenses and defenses have done in the past. I mean, they intercepted Jared Goff three times and got him into a rut, and now he's kind of gotten out of that, and he's pretty good again. Uh, they had Joe Flacco uh, they, uh, totally in, under control and then lost it, and Joe Flacco, as it turns out, 2.0 is pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, th- you know, th- those, you know, I mean, that, you know, I, I, I admit that is not, I acknowledge, you know, that, you know, that is not shutting down Patrick Mahomes uh, uh, by any stretch. But I think, I still think it's, I still think, I guess what I'm saying is, I think what they're doing is real. Uh, I think they're strong, uh, as opposed to where they were last year, even at the beginning of this year, they're strong at all three levels with sweat now. Uh, they have, their linebackers are solid. Their secondary is as strong as I think we thought it would be. And now with sweat, I think their entire defensive line, it, it just changes the whole tenor of that. The only problem I have uh, as far as looking ahead to the future with the Bears defense is that they are, is, 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 it's kind of a good news, is bad news. They're healthy. They've been able to take advantage of teams that are not as healthy, the Bears in general and the defense in particular. And I think that's great for the Bears these last four or five games. But on the other hand, teams don't stay healthy. Uh, And so next year, you look ahead to next year, you know, what if they lose a key player? The Bears are still a team, including on defense, that uh, they have a very small margin for error. One or two players are out, and and it's a problem. So that's what they have to prove is that they can withstand – that kind of situation we probably won't see that until next year until they have to endure that but for now to answer your question yeah i am convinced that this defense is uh is definitely a strong point and where they were expected to be under a guy like eberflus i mean uh, that's the one one of the big reasons why 
everybody wanted Eberflus out, one of many reasons actually, was because he couldn't even get his side of the ball right. And mm-hmm. at midseason, that was absolutely true. But he's done that. He's fixed that problem. Now the question is, is he a true uh, uh, NFL head coach? And, you know, that's that's a much bigger issue that uh, will probably have to be debated uh, once the season's over. Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times, my guest for a few more minutes here on 670 The Score. You mentioned losing one player and what that could do to the defense. Jalen Johnson's contract situation hangs over this organization. Mark, I don't get too worried about it because with a guy like a Jalen Johnson, if they want him back and they can't come to a contract agreement, the franchise tag is always an option and one I think they would exercise and he's not going to turn down that money. He's going to show up and play and hope he gets a bigger contract in a year. Is, is that kind of how you see the situation? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just we've talked to Jalen all year about it, and he's been really good about not only just talking about it and, and openly expressing how he feels about it, but also in handling it, you know, so much better than kind of the way of Roquan did last year. Um, uh, you know, you know, writing the letter he wrote and, and, and castigating the McCaskies and just, it was just a bad, it was just bad form for a really good player. He's worked himself out of that situation. Obviously he's in a great situation in, in Baltimore, but Jalen's handled his situation. I think a lot better. And also I think Jalen to me, just reading just what he's been saying, I think he understands, he seems to be getting it. He's here's a guy who wants to be paid like the number one cornerback in the NFL but yet he also seems to understand that his best chance to be that or become that is by staying in this defense with the way this defense is growing. And that I think he's seen as sweat has come on, all of a sudden his performance has improved. And I think he, I think he knows in his heart of hearts that his best bet is to stay with the Bears. It's just a question of whether they will pony up and pay him. And I kind of feel like that will happen. It's more likely to happen now. But to your original point, they always have the franchise tag. And the franchise tag, I tell you, I hate it. I think the, I think it's one of the worst things for the NFL. It, I think it creates animosity. I think it, it, it doesn't serve either the purpose that it's supposed to. It, it's tough for the team. It's tough for the player. But that said, Jalen Johnson seems, just talking to him now, seems one of the players who's most amicable to that situation or agreeable to that to, to being in a, in, a, in a tag situation and not holding out causing a distraction and become, and kind of fracturing the locker room type of thing. So I think what, I guess the original, the original point is one way or another, I see this, I see that situation working out. I think the, I think Jalen Johnson has proven that he deserves to be paid. I think the bears are going to be more agreeable to paying him now that they've seen what he's done, especially the way this defense is going. Last one for you, Mark. And I'm going to circle back around to the offense. You brought up Luke Getze a couple of times. Is there any chance that bears fans, the media, have been too hard on this guy, or is is the game plan and the play calling as bad as it feels when I'm sitting on my couch on a Sunday, Mark? Well, that's uh, it's kind of tough to say. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if we've been too tough on anybody uh, in any situation. You know, as much even as much as we overreact, I just think you look at the performance and when you judge what the Bears have done compared to what so many other teams have done. You know, from C.J. Stroud and Houston on down. I always pick, I always point to that because that's a team that has a, a, a similar situation as the Bears with regard to a new coach, defensive coach, an offensive line totally in flux, uh, no receivers and all that. Look what they've done. When you look at examples like that, not only that one in Houston, but just around the league and compared to that, I think it's fair to wonder why can't the Bears do this? And so I, I've written that many times, and I think many people have been wondering that. So I think the criticism has been fair. But I mean, the question of is it the uh, quarterback or the offense is um, is uh, is also valid. And I, the answer has been from day one. Has been from the time I I first covered the Bears in 1997-98. It's both. That's Mark Potash. He's been covering the Bears for a long, long time for them over there at the Chicago Sun-Times. You'll follow him on Twitter, at Mark Potash, and my guest for the last few minutes here on 670 Score. Really appreciate the time and the insight, Mark. Have a good night and a happy new year. Thanks, Rami. Same to you. And he joins me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You're listening to a Four Seasons Heating, Air Conditioning, Plumbing, and Electric Football Friday presented by your local Ford dealers and It's Not a Game, Illinois.com. Quick break on the other side. I see you guys on hold. We'll get in some more of your calls on Justin Fields, and we're going to play the nickname game with Matt Eberflus. That's next on 670 The Score. We're back. Live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. 
with you on a Friday evening. 312-644-6767 is how you can get in on the festivities. Tyler Buterbaugh on the other side of the glass on the ones and twos. Carlos Medina of uh, 106.3 FM and the Fan 680 down in Atlanta. He'll join me coming up at 7. Excuse me, with the Atlanta side of this matchup coming up on Sunday. And uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to play the nickname game with Matt Eberflus, who I didn't know is the king of nicknames. We'll get into that in just a few minutes if you don't know what I'm talking about. Let's get out to uh, Sherryville, though. You heard me talking about Justin Fields asking if you're in or out. And if you're still out, what do you need to see in these last two games? What's up? Yo, hey, fellas, fellas. Man, thanks for taking my call. Hey, look, I'm all in on Justin. I got a question. If John Harbaugh had Justin Fields, are we having this conversation? No. No, no, no probably not. not. No, if he had no. – if it, I'll put it this way. If he had a coach and an organization and a situation I believed in, one way or another we wouldn't have this question because either he'd be succeeding – or he'd be failing, and we'd all go, he had everything working for him, and he still failed. No, we know what this guy is, and we know what he's not. Time to move on. The fact is, because of the situation that the Bears put him in, Ken, we, we can't really say one way or another. They, they have themselves to blame for that. Right, and here go another, here go another thing. Now, if, do Justin Fields actually audible out of uh, Luke Getty, uh, play playboard? No, but whenever he times, but no, yeah. yeah, but he's not known for that. Right. But whenever he ad-libbed, guess what he's doing? He's making it happen. So it falls back to Lou Getsy. So it's both the coach and the offensive coordinator. They don't know what to do with this guy. And, no, they're not the type of coaches you want on your sideline. So I'm, I'm all in, old Justin, man. To your question – it's the coaches that got to go. Who let go of Roquan and you a defensive coach? And he over there playing for a gold jacket for John Harbaugh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ken, thanks for the call. I appreciate you. Yeah, Roquan is one of the moves I take issue with when we talk about Ryan Poles. And the whole situation, man, like I just said, if if we had an organization that we could believe in, we could look at Justin Fields and go, no, it's your fault. But the fact that we don't and he doesn't, is the reason this is still a question after three years. And I'll tell you right now, if we still have people that we look at and go, I don't know, when they, when they draft Caleb Williams or anybody else, it's not going to be any better. So what are we doing? Why? Unless you're going to clean out. You know what? I'm going to get into this later in the show. Let me get another call real quick before we play the nickname game. Mike in Rockford, you're on 670 The Score. What's up, Mike? Okay, thanks for uh, – you stole part of my thunder, but that's good because you're leading me into my call here with mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Poles and Smith, Rokon Smith. They get rid of him, and then he goes and drafts – uh, he get, doesn't draft. He uh, signs the two free agent linebackers uh, from Buffalo and from Indianapolis, okay? Mm-hmm. And Roquan was a better – than either of those guys, in my opinion. It, it, I just think that he – Ryan Poles wants to build this whole thing under his name. Now, he goes out. Now, Montez Sweat was a great signing. I, I'll give him that. At first, I didn't like it, but I really do now. Obviously, uh, Claypool was a bust, okay? Um, but he, he wants to build up this entire roster. He doesn't, you know, well, Jalen Johnson need to be paid before Montez Sweat was signed and signed that big deal, in my opinion. You've got to take care of your own family first. But Ryan Poles came in the middle, <clears throat> tore the whole team down, Got rid of some dead weight. Uh, he had to get rid of Cleo Mack. Got rid of all those other guys, which I was all for. But I don't understand. I think I think he wants to get rid of Fields. I think Fields could have a really productive year, and I still think he would consider getting rid of him only because it's like he. I'll just hang up and listen. But I think he wants to build this entire roster uh, under his name. Yeah, he wants his uh, guys. He for th- my call. Appreciate your call. He wants his fingerprints, his stamp on this roster. That's been clear from day. Now, look, there, there was some house cleaning that needed to be done. But, and I laid the whole case out on Wednesday when I, when I went through all the teams that changed coaches and GMs before the 2022 season. The teams that have been successful, and, and especially the two teams with young quarterbacks on rookie contracts, 
what they did when they came in was they assessed the roster and they went, okay, these guys who we have here can help us win. They can work. They can fit into what we're trying to do. These guys, we got to clear out. Ryan Poles had no interest in doing that. Ryan Poles just came in and was like, we're clearing everybody out, and I want only my guys in the building. Really, only Justin Fields is left. When you look at this roster and major pieces that were on it when, when Ryan Poles came in. And to me, that's an ego thing, man. That, that's, not, that's not like a level-headed assessment and doing what you think, taking what you think is the most prudent course. That's just your ego talking. That's just you coming in and going, nah, the last guy didn't know what he was doing at all. And look, Ryan Pace didn't know what he was doing, but I wouldn't put the at all on the back end of it. Everybody gets some right and some wrong. Ryan Pace got a few right. And I think that Ryan Poles came in and showed those guys the door purely almost out of ego. And one of the new guys that he brought in was Matt Eberflus, who I didn't know until today. Tyler, did you know until today that he was a master of the nickname? Or did you have any idea that man? I had no idea he's the man of nicknames. <laughs> this was uh, on the Bears' Instagram account yesterday, Matt Eberflus, before the game last Sunday. All right, Mako. Let's go, man. Let's go. Spidey. Hey, man. Every play's your play to make. You know that? Let's go. Dragon Slayer. There he is, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Bojack. Let's go, man. <laughs> Every play's your play now. Smitty. Smitty, let's go, man. Every play's your play now. Sandman, you got it now. Okay, all right. Let's get it. I think let's they get, get the idea. We, we can kill it right there. <laughs> so I wanted to I wanted to play a little game because a lot of those nicknames I had never heard. And quite frankly, they don't make a lot of sense to me. So we're going to play the nickname game. I don't know who those names were assigned to. Tyler Buterbaugh does because he watched the video closely and then edited out, isolated each name one by one. Now he's going to play them for me and for you. And I can guess and you can guess in your car or if you're at home listening at 670thescore.com and you're in your office on the Odyssey app. Try and guess who the nickname belongs to. It's the Matt Eberflus nickname game. What do we got first, Tyler? Dragon Slayer. Dra- there he is, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Dragon Slayer? That's got to be somebody on the defensive side of the ball. Um, shot in the dark. TJ Edwards. Is TJ Edwards Dragon Slayer? Tyler, uh, damn it. Who's Dragon Slayer? Jalen Johnson. Really? Yeah, oh. I didn't think that would have been him. I would just go with a double J. You know what I mean? Or JJ? Or JJ, yeah. Either one works, but I guess he's Dragon Slayer. Who's next? Let's go, Predator. Let's go, man. Let's get it. Predator? Okay. I'm going to guess somebody who's got the dreadlocks because the Predator had kind of a, a dreadlock thing going on. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is Tremaine. Hey, all right. Okay. Tremaine Edmonds is the Predator. Who's next up, Tyler? Hey, Dino Dex, let's go, man. What was that? Can you play that again? I didn't even hey, hear Hey, Dino Dex, let's go, man. What is he saying? Dino Dex. Dino Dex? I don't even know what that means. Is that Dominique Robinson? Is he? I just went with a guy. <laughs> who is it? I just went with a guy whose name started with D. Gervon or Gervon Dexter. Okay, yeah. Dino Dex. All right, I was looking for. Okay, that make that makes sense. Do we have another one? Juggernaut. Let's go, man. <laughs> That's the best one. I gotta say, I gotta say, as somebody who grew up reading comic books, Juggernaut is the absolute best. And Juggernaut has to be somebody. Who's kind of stout? Do you know Juggernaut, the comic book character, Tyler? It's like a really, Briefly, yeah, yeah, really stout dude. Like he's like one of those no neck guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking offensive or defensive line has got to be a Juggernaut. Um, give me Cody Whitehair. He's kind of built like a Juggernaut. Damn it! Who was it? Billings. Okay, that that actually makes sense. Looking at him, that that actually. After makes I saw, sense. it took me a while to see who the heck he was talking about, and I had to see. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And uh, do we have one more? Let's go, Bay. Hey, Bay, let's go, man. That's weird. You got it now. Wait. He's got, wait, what? He's calling. He's, let's not, go, Bay. Not that there's hey, bae, anything go, wrong bae. with that, to quote the great Jerry Seinfeld, but is he calling another grown man Bay? Is that is that what Th- I just said? That heard? is unfortunately correct. Okay. Uh, I don't even want to guess. <laughs> I don't even want to guess who that might be. Who is that? Tyson Bajan. Okay, that, that makes sense. That does make sense. It's still weird. It's still weird. By the way, did you know? I had no idea. Um... A girl I dated years ago filled me in on this. She called me Bay, and I didn't know what it meant. Before anyone else. It's actually an acronym. I always thought it was like short for babe or baby. That's it's what I would have thought. Before anyone else. 
It's an acronym. Huh. You, you learned something here on I, 670. Yeah, right? Do we know who the governor is? We do. Who is that? Roshan Johnson. Why is he the governor? That one made no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> a lot of you guys get that nickname of the governor, and usually it's like uh, like Sean Casey was a governor. Uh, who was the guy that played for the Bulls, and he went on to become a coach? Um, oh, man. I can't, I'm can't. i drawing a complete blank right now. But he also was a governor, and it's, all, it's usually like a very, like... Uh, like, everyone likes them. You know what I mean? Like, the buddy-buddy the guy, they walk around, they shake everybody's hands, everybody knows them, everybody likes them. Are you talking about Doug Collins? No. No. Blonde guy. He was actually, he was the Bulls head coach for a minute, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, man. This is going to drive me not crazy. Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg. Oh, yes, okay. Fred Hoiberg was the governor. Or maybe he was the mayor. One of the two. Same thing, though. It's like everybody's best friend. You know what I mean? The guy who's always walking around, glad-handing people. Hey, ho, hey, hey. That guy's usually the governor. Like, the, the, the guy everybody likes. He's, he's usually the governor or the mayor. I don't, I don't know, man. The whole thing was awkward. They, they talked about it today on Bernstein and Holmes. And, like, the whole thing was just weird. His pronunciation of the word man. Hey, go, man. Hey, man. It's very forced. That's not... That's not how you talk, Matt Eberflus. <laughs> I don't think. Is he from the South? I don't think he's from the South. Where's Matt Eberflus from? I don't even No, he's definitely not from the South. He doesn't talk like that. What? Please, can we get a head coach? <laughs> can we please get a head coach? He's in from G- Toledo, Ohio. Nobody says, let's go, man. Nobody says that in Toledo, Ohio, to my knowledge. I've let's never go, been. Man. I've never been. But I don't, I don't think people in Toledo, Ohio have that, that affect, if you will. Not that I can think of. They have, they're as Midwestern as us. He's just so weird and awkward. A great defensive mind, I'm sure. But some guys are just not. Like I said before, you need, like, some charisma. You need some genius, you know, for, for guys to want to follow you. And I don't, I don't see either one from Matt Eberflus, quite frankly. He's just awkward. He is. He's just an awkward. And, hey, guess what? I'm an awkward dude. I'm also not trying to be a head coach in the NFL or get 53 men to follow me. You know what I mean? It ta- <laughs> That's fair. It, it, it takes a certain type of man. I'm not it, and neither is he. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll get the Atlanta side of things. Carlos Medina of Extra 106.3 FM and the Fan 680 down there. He'll join me next on 670 The Score. I got nicknames for you guys, too. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 